In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? This is what Jesus asked the Pharisees when they brought before him a man who had dropsy. Although the Pharisees were watching Jesus closely, Jesus asked them the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? In other words, according to the law of God, is it okay to help this guy out? And not that any of you could heal this guy, but if you could, would you heal this man on the day of rest? And the Pharisees remained silent. And Jesus asked them something else. He says, which of you having a son or an ox that is falling into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they couldn't reply to any of these things. So why is it that they can't reply to Jesus? Why are they astounded and stunned and silent? Why are they so quiet now? Well, think of what's going through their minds. They have love on one side, and then they have the law of God on the other, and they can only choose one. So they think, well, if I love this man with dropsy by taking care of him and helping him out, I'm going to be working. And if I'm working, then I won't be keeping the Sabbath, and that means I sin against God. And then on the other hand, if I keep the Sabbath, then I can't help this man who is suffering. I can't help my neighbor or love him. So when push comes to shove, I would rather help myself by obeying God and going to heaven than help this guy. So my obligation to God is greater than my obligation to my neighbor. My love for God trumps my love for the neighbor. So why do they think this way? Well, they think this way because they are legalists. A legalist is someone who uses the law of God to serve himself, to make himself look good and his neighbor look bad. A legalist thinks that God's law is all about how you save yourself, how you take care of yourself, how you earn points and favor with God. So they pit the law of God against the love of the neighbor. And the truth is that some of you may have already fallen into this thinking before, either in the past, or some of you may be thinking this way even now. This legalism rears its head in so many ways. Some of you may look down on your neighbor because of the law. You may hear the law preached and start thinking of how everyone else around you has failed to keep that law. You hear this when uh, people say, uh, the, people hear the sermon and they think and say, look, boy, pastor, you really got them today. You really de- let them have it. Those who are legalists get excited about things like closed communion, not because it's being faithful to God and loving the neighbor at once, but because it's a chance to show everyone else how I deserve it and I'm worthy of it and you are not. The legalist uses the law to highlight the good things that you've done, how much you give, how much you volunteer, how much you live. But at the same time, you use that same law to highlight all of the bad things that your neighbor has done. How little they give. How little they volunteer. How little they live. 
you use the law to show how many times you've come to church and how you come to church more than all the people around you. Some of you may think that you're serving God more if you do things in the church and look upon, let down upon those who don't, thinking that the mother who feeds and changes her, her child is doing a lowly work, a work that doesn't really matter in the church, one that's not really serving God. Some of you may think that your duty and your obligation to God is more important than your duty to your family and those around you. In fact, you see this in pastors time and time again, and it's quite sad. Pastors' kids have a bad reputation because so many of them leave the faith and live shameful and disobedient lives. And one of the reasons is because many pastors will spend more time working, going to meetings, doing so many other things instead of being the father of their house, the only father that those children have. So these children essentially grow up without a father to teach them and to discipline them, to show them the faith, to teach them to fold their hands and bow before the altar. And all of this stems from the same thinking, legalism, the false teaching that the law was given so that you help yourself. Now, as true as this is, And as prevalent as this legalism still is today, I think we have another problem on our hands. And the problem is the cousin of legalism. Just as the Pharisees and all legalists put faithfulness to God above loving their neighbor, today I think the vast majority of people put loving their neighbor above being faithful to God. In other words, they put their own idea of love above uh, love above the law of God. And this is called antinomianism. It's really a fancy word. Anti means against or in place of, and nomos is the law. So it is setting something up where it is against or in place of the law of God. So the antinomian is someone who dismisses God's law in order to serve their neighbor, to bless whatever their neighbor is doing and rejecting the notion of sin altogether. The antinomian is someone who thinks they serve God or serve their neighbor by ignoring their neighbor's sins. Their love for their neighbor trumps their faith in God. So just like legalism, antinomianism rears its head in the church in so many ways. And some of you may have fallen into the very popular antinomian thinking. It's the idea that love, or our definition of it, trumps everything. And the antinomian's idea of love means never correcting, never rebuking, never calling to repentance. Never saying something is wrong, never disciplining, never saying no. Their idea of love is anything goes and whatever makes you happy. So these are the people who get angry at closed communion and say it's the most unloving and unwelcoming thing to do because everyone should be allowed to commune. And some of you may have fallen into this already. Some of you may see the pastor correct someone or discipline someone or tell them no. 
And then you say, well, that's not the Christian thing to do. That's not loving as if truly love means letting anything go. Some of you may get upset because the sermon has too much law, too much instruction, too much, much exhortation and admonition. Some of you may use the gospel and God's forgiveness as an excuse to do what you want, thinking, well, what does it matter if I do this or I don't? I'm just going to repent later. God's going to forgive me. Some of you may think that since our works don't save us, then why do any work? Why volunteer? Why give offering? Why help out? Why get involved at all? And some of you may think that helping people, feeding the homeless, and doing all sorts of good and wonderful works is all, in fact, better than coming to church to receive the forgiveness for your sins. Some of you may think that all this stuffy stuff in the Bible doesn't really matter that much. What we sing and what we teach and what we believe and what we confess doesn't quite matter. What really matters is what we do. So it doesn't matter how you believe or what you believe, just how you act, if you're tolerant, if you're accepting, if you're nice. And all of this stems from the same thinking, antinomianism. The false teaching that you know how to love your neighbor better than God does. So here you have these two extremes of antinomianism and legalism. So which is worse? The answer is both. Both are worse because they both fail to understand God's word. They both reject what God said and they put our sinful notions and ideas above what the scriptures say. The problem with legalism is that it puts God above the neighbor. And the problem with antinomianism is that it puts the neighbor above God. And the reason this happens is because there's a fundamental error and falsehood behind this. As if the law and love are two separate things. As if faith in God and loving your neighbor are things that are opposites, things that are contrary to one another, things that are separated. But they're not. The law is not above love, and love is not above the law, because the law is love. The law requires that we love, that we fear, that we love and trust in God above all things, and it requires that we love our neighbors as ourselves. There is no contradiction. You cannot love God and hate your brother. The law wasn't designed to make, you, make your neighbor look bad or to put yourself above him. It was designed to tell you how to help your neighbor. If you use the law to hurt yourself uh, and hurt your neighbor, then you're denying the whole Law, the law of God teaches you to love God above all things and to love your neighbor as yourself. But when you use the law to attack your neighbor, you're acting entirely contrary to the reason God gave that law. The law is not for your benefit. The law is for the benefit of those around you. When you hear the law, you should learn what you should have done and what you should do to those around you all the more. On the other hand, your idea of loving your neighbor should never trump God's word. You can't love anyone better than God has already told you how to love them in the scriptures. 
Your idea of niceness, of tolerance, of ignoring sin altogether is in fact not loving. Because love disciplines, love corrects, love rebukes. But it does so in order to win the other. The reason you point out the sins of others is not to put them down, but to pull them out and drive them to the arms of Christ. The reason you correct others is not to show yourself to be better than they are, but to show them the truth. But you do correct them. You do discipline. You do call to repentance. Love doesn't refuse to help the neighbor because of some man-made law of niceness or political correctness. Love teaches the truth and shows people their sin in order to show them their Savior. So today, we all must admit our sin and our failure to keep God's word and to love our neighbor. We must admit that we have been legalists who tear others down to prop ourselves up. We must admit that we've been antinomians who tear apart God's word and have lived lawlessly. We must admit that we've been proud of ourselves and at the same time we have shamed others. We must admit that we have excused other people's sins, sins we know we should correct and point out simply because we think we know how to love them better than God does. We must admit that we have put our own ideas above God's word, our own selves above others, that we haven't kept the law. And yet, while we were sinning against God and our neighbor, Christ took on flesh and became man, and fulfilled the law for us, for our sake. And in fulfilling the law, he loved us. He didn't go beyond what the law required. He didn't add or subtract anything from God's word to love us better. He simply did what God's word says. And in doing so, he loved us better than anyone has ever loved us. He pointed out our sins and then he covered our shame with his blood. He took all of our failures and then he drowned them in his forgiveness. He took all of our pride in ourselves and he covered us with a perfect humility. He went to the cross and he suffered for our sins because he loved the Father and because he loved you perfectly at the same time. And he didn't do it in anger or begrudgingly. He did it in the greatest love and joy imaginable. He purchased and he won you when he drained his body of life. He took our place the lowest place on the cross, and he won for us a place in heaven. He endured the brutal, the painful, the unbearable work of redeeming us, and in exchange he gave us eternal life. And when he resurrected from the grave, he justified us from all of our sins. So dear saints, don't pit the law of God against love. The law is love. And Jesus loved you by fulfilling that law. So love one another in the same way. God didn't give you the law to serve yourself, but to serve your neighbor. So love your neighbor by keeping God's word. 
Be faithful to God by loving your neighbor and keep God's word while you love your neighbor. Don't dismiss God's word thinking that you can be kinder and more loving than God himself. What you do is first you repent and then you bring each other to repentance. Not to tear each other down, but to love them as Christ has loved you. Christ didn't dismiss your sin or ignore it. He showed it to you so that he could forgive it. So that you wouldn't return to it anymore. So don't become proud and put yourself above your neighbor. Give your neighbor the place of honor that God told you to give him. Knowing that Christ has already given you the highest honor, a place in his kingdom. And don't put your thoughts above God's word. Know that God is more loving than you can imagine. And he knows how best to love you and your neighbor. The only way, the only way you can stop from falling into these two extremes is by running to Christ and clinging to him. So cling to him in faith and love your neighbor. Hear the words of this hymn. Since Christ has full atonement made and brought to us salvation, each Christian therefore may be glad and build on this foundation. Your grace alone, dear Lord, I plead, your death is now my life indeed, for you have paid my ransom. Faith clings to Jesus' cross alone and rests in him unceasing, and by its fruits true faith is known, with love and hope increasing. For faith alone can justify Works serve our neighbor and supply the proof that faith is living. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.